Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us at our full year uh, results presentation. I think um, James would like me to mention that um, anything we say or do here won't be taken down in evidence and used against us. What we're after, James, is that um, don't take anything too serious. Um, we've made a, a little movie up. Actually, we've made two. We've got a little movie we want to show you um, now. Um, so we'll let you run through that. Then I'm going to um, tell you what we've been doing over the last 12 months. And uh, Mark's going to share with us um, a detailed run through on the financials. And then I'm going to tell you where I'm taking the business over the next um, two to five years. And then we'll have some um, Q&A. So should we roll the, the movie? over the next um, two to five years and then we'll have some um, Q&A. So, should we roll the, the movie?
Welcome to your new home. Um, people, all those sites you just saw, they're all ours which is quite incredible because on um, July 1st this year was um, our 30th anniversary I started Minres um, in the lounge of my house, my rented house um, just over 30 years ago, I had $10,000 cash in the bank and a credit card they forgot to take off me um, and uh, we listed in 2006 with a market cap of about 100 mil and uh, we've just gone into the ASX 50 and we've got a market cap of about, we did have on Friday of about 12 and a bit billion dollars so I mean our little business has come a long way and it's got um, an incredible future ahead of it. We've, uh, we've done some 2006 with a market cap of about 100 mil and uh, we've just gone into the ASX 50 and we've got a bit market cap of about, we well, did have on Friday of about 12 and a bit billion dollars so I mean our little business has come a long way and it's got um, an incredible future ahead of it. We've, uh, we've done some milestones over the years and um, the one that's just passed is probably one of our busiest ever. I mean when you look at that and think shit did we get all that done and, and we run the business and we did. So look I'm going to I'll be as quick as I can. I'll run you through the performance of the business over the last 12 months. I want to talk about where we're going, milestones over the years. And um, the one that's just passed is probably one of our busiest ever. I mean, when you look at that and think, shit, did we get all that done? And, and we run the business, and we did. So, look, I'm going to be as quick as I can. I'll run you through the performance of the business over the last 12 months. I want to talk about where we're going over the next five years. It's really important. I mean, it's not where we hope to be going, it's where we're actually going. We've got most of it's pretty much locked in. Um, and at the end we'll spend a bit of time on uh, Q&A if there's anything I haven't really explained to you properly. So highlights in the 
Um, in the business, we've had um, just over a billion EBITDA, um, second best performance that we've had financially. We got about two and a half billion cash at the bank. Uh, we did a bond raising with JP Morgan over in um, the US um, earlier in the year. We got our timing right on that. Very happy to have that done. We're going to pay a dividend for the end bit of time on uh, Q&A if there's anything I haven't really explained to you properly. So highlights in the, um, in the business, we've had um, just over a billion EBITDA, um, second best performance that we've had financially. We got about two and a half billion cash at the bank. Uh, we did a bond raising with JP Morgan over in um, the US um, earlier in the year. We got our timing right on that. Very happy to have that done. We're going to pay a dividend for the um, this financial year of a dollar. We didn't pay anything in the first half, but we were more or less holding back to make sure that we got our bond raising done. We understood where we were going on our funding and we had everything in place, so we think we can afford to give our shareholders a dollar a share. Um, I've restructured the business over the last 12 months, which has been substantial. I spent almost 30 years trying to make sure I had a fully integrated business and were no silos in it. And uh, I've now got four main operating pillars sitting in the business and uh, we've brought in some extra help to make sure that they're all self-managed. That's gone incredibly well. We've, got, we've done that because over the next five years um, the business is going to grow significantly. So commodities part of MinRes over the next two years will at least double. Um, the mining services part of the business over the next five years will double and then some. So um, getting um, a m much more difficult creature to manage, but um, we're just going about doing that in a different way. Um, some of the other highlights in terms of BD business development, um, without doubt our best period ever. I mean, services part of the business over the next five years will double and then some. So um, getting um, a m much more difficult creature to manage, but um, we're just going about doing that in a different way. Um, some of the other highlights in terms of BD business development, um, without doubt our best period ever. I mean, we've been working on some things for a number of years, but we've just got a whole lot of things to come together over the last 12 months. The mining services part of the business always performs um, pretty well. We are uh, we're the premium mining services business in the country. Uh, if you've got MinRes on the job, I mean, you're going to get your tons done every day, whether it's mining, crushing or running process plants. Um, or some of the innovation we've brought online lately. Um, we're well known for um, Dilly's performs um, pretty well. We are uh, we're the premium mining services business in the country. Uh, if you've got MinRes on the job, I mean, you're going to get your tons done every day, whether it's mining, crushing or running process plants um, or some of the innovation we've brought online lately. Um, we're well known for um, delivering. Um, and not just delivering, but the way we deliver with the culture that we have. We, um, some of our major clients tell us we, they, they monitor our, our productivity. We're generally sitting 30 to 40% above um, our, our clients, um, and that's just because of the nature of the, the nature of the beast, the culture that we have in that business. Um, we've got some really good innovation we've brought into the mining services. We've got these big trucks. We've really killed the price of uh, inland haulage. We've got it down to a number that's getting closer to uh, owning trains without the capital cost. Um, and we've established a marine business. And as I said earlier, we're currently out there. We're building four transshippers. There'll be a fifth one that we'll be going into the order lineup shortly. Um, 
on the lithium front, um, again, it's been um, a pretty good year for us on lithium. Um, Wajana is back online. We've, we're cranking up trains one and two. Both of them are running now. Price of uh, inland haulage, we've got it down to a number that's getting closer to uh, owning trains without the capital cost. Um, and we've established a marine business. And as I said earlier, we're currently out there. We're building four transshippers. There'll be a fifth one that will be going into the order lineup shortly. Um, on the lithium front, um, again, it's been um, a pretty good year for us on lithium. Um, Wajana is back online. We've, we're cranking up trains one and two. Both of them are running now. Uh, we restructured completely the Albemarle deal, which I'll tell you about, and we're doubling production down at Mount Marion. So we're going from 450 to 900,000 tonnes. Um, they're mixed tonnes, which I'll talk about as well. The iron ore, um, we have got, as of Friday night, just passed. Finally, it's been... Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier, we were heading towards trying to buy that asset about 2013. I was going to pay about one and a quarter billion for it. Um, and I've now been able to secure um, the majority of that. And we had FID from all our partners, three great partners in there with Bauer Steel, um, POSCO and AMCI. Um, we also were the, uh, the winners of the last Cape Size Carrier berth in Port Edland. We got a majority share in that given to it. We were talking a little bit earlier. We were heading towards trying to buy that asset about 2013. I was going to pay about one and a quarter billion for it. Um, and I've now been able to secure um, the majority of that. And we had FID from all our partners, three great partners in there with Bauer Steel, um, POSCO and AMCI. Um, we also were the, uh, the winners of the last Cape Size Carrier berth in Port Edland. We got a majority share in that given to us and we used that majority share as currency and then we went and um, sat down with Hancock and we got a binding um, deal with them where we're going to put together a port and rail um, structure for uh, probably the last forever. And then on the energy front, our fourth um, arm of the business was, and we used that majority share as currency and then we went and um, sat down with Hancock and we got a binding um, deal with them where we're going to put together a port and rail um, structure for uh, probably the last forever. And then on the energy front, our fourth um, arm of the business, we've probably got um, the largest onshore gas discovery um, sitting up in the Perth Basin. Um, sustainability, really important. Um, we've got to grow our business around people. People are everything to us going forward. Um, they are getting more difficult to get and even then when you get them, you've got to keep them. We've developed a, um, a fairly amazing work environment in our new head office. We've only been in it for a couple of months, but it's already changed the way people view it, the way they behave. We don't have one single person that wants to work from home anymore. Um, it's fully equipped with a wellness centre, medical facilities, um, a great coffee shop. We're serving over a thousand meals a day in there and there's a choice of probably 30 different meals you can have for lunch. There's four or five that you can take home at night. So your wife no longer has to cook. She can trade the kitchen in and, um, for about eight bucks a meal. Um, they've got a really high-quality um, offering. So we've, we've got um, a large training intake um, through apprentices, graduate programs, trainees, uni kids, um, we've got a lot going on on that front and we're exceptionally good at what we do when it comes to uh, training. 
the safety. We've got a really strongly entrenched culture in the Minrares business. Take home at night so your wife no longer has to cook. She can trade the kitchen in and um, for about eight bucks a meal. Um, they've got a really high quality um, offering. So uh, we've, we've got um, a large training intake um, through apprentices, graduate programs, trainees, uni kids. Um, we've got a lot going on on that front and we're exceptionally good at what we do when it comes to uh, training. The safety, we've got a really strongly entrenched culture in the Minrares business. Uh, if you have a look at our results, we're running over 5,000 people and we're throwing stones at uh, bits of metal pretty much all day long. We haven't had one total recordable in injury, sorry, lost time injury over the last 12 months. And our TRIFA rate um, is at a standard that you would expect an insurance company to have. So um, the results we're getting there are, are incredible. Most of these results are a, a direct result of either the culture that we run, recordable in injury, sorry, lost time injury over the last 12 months and our TRIFA rate um, is at a standard that you would expect an insurance company to have. So um, the results we're getting there are, are incredible. Most of these results are a, a direct result of either the culture that we run in the business in conjunction with the, all of the training that we do and we're, we're very heavy on training but that's the result you get out of it. Supporting local indigenous communities is really amped up a lot more over the last couple of years for us. Um, very, very focused and engaged with the traditional landowners around the Wadjur and Onslow project. Um, the, in terms of community donations, Minrez put nearly $6 million um, into the community and a different range of, uh, of donations has really amped up a lot more over the last couple of years for us. Um, very, very focused and engaged with the traditional landowners around the Wadjur and Onslow project. Um, the, in terms of community donations, Minrez put nearly $6 million um, into the community and a different range of, uh, of donations that we've done. Um, about $1.7 billion spent into the local community and about $10 million spent into the indigenous communities and that's going to grow a lot more over the next couple of years. The environment. I think the environment, the mining industry in, in um, Western Australia is out there is probably, if it's not the best in the world, um, it'll be in the top two. I mean, um, the way that we manage the mining, the environment, the land that we're on um, is um, almost second to none in the world. I know that we've had some bad press over there for blowing up a cave, but um, you know, up there is probably, if it's not the best in the world, um, it'll be in the top two. I mean, um, the way that we manage the mining, the environment, the land that we're on um, is um, almost second to none in the world. I know that we've had some bad press over there for blowing up a cave, but um, you need to remember that that was the way it was done in those days. It is, they were fully approved and permitted to do what they've done. Um, it's just that uh, the timing uh, got wrong. We generally, I think, I look over rehab ground that we do, when we walk away from it, it's generally a better state than when we found it, and there's any doubt about that. Um, and we're doing a lot of work around um, innovative ways on how we can better use the timing and, uh, got wrong. We generally, I think, I look over rehab ground that we do, when we walk away from it, it's generally a better state than when we found it, and there's any doubt about that. 
Um, and we're doing a lot of work around um, innovative ways on how we can better use water. We've had a lot of success on that. We're using less water now per tonne of oil processed and we're spending quite a bit of money on that going forward. That's becoming really important. So if we can get that water usage down, we're also looking hard. We've been working the last couple of years on tailings management, dry stacking and trying to eliminate tails dams. So uh, we're heading all to, I mean, we're all aiming for a net zero um, on carbon emissions by 2050. I think, I think the whole world's starting to think we can do a whole lot better than that and we're trying to look in every area that we can. We're using gas and solar to transition away from diesel. So our focus has been for a couple of years on getting out of burning diesel wherever we can. Uh, we're installing solar. Solar's a good friend for us and the regions that we live in. So, so uh, we're heading all to, I mean, we're all aiming for a net zero um, on carbon emissions by 2050. I think, I think the whole world's starting to think we can do a whole lot better than that and we're trying to look in every area that we can. We're using gas and solar to transition away from diesel. So our focus has been for a couple of years on getting out of burning diesel wherever we can. Uh, we're installing solar. Solar's a good friend for us and the regions that we live in. So we can certainly create a lot of power during sunlight hours. And then we're looking at wherever we can, we're heading down the path of going electric um, so that we can reduce emissions. The big haul trucks that we're running it on, so we're confident by 2025, We'll have them all running electric and that'll get rid of about 120 kilotons of carbon. We can certainly create a lot of power during sunlight hours and then we're looking at wherever we can, we're heading down the path of going electric um, so that we can reduce emissions. The big haul trucks that we're running it on, so we're confident by 2025, we'll have them all running electric and that'll get rid of about 120 kilotons of carbon out of the atmosphere. Uh, the one mana um, solar that we put out there got rid of 1,800 tonnes out of the atmosphere. Um, our new head office already is um, totally carbon neutral. So wherever we can in those areas, um, we're working pretty hard to make sure that um, we can get um, the right outcomes. So look, I'm going to pass over to Mark to um, talk to you about financials and then I'll come back to you. Thanks, Chris, and uh, good morning, everybody. Apologies if I sound a bit croaky. It's a pleasure to be here this morning to walk you through the financial results for the group for the uh, for FY22. Um, as Chris said, it's been a, a huge year for the business in many ways. Um, from a financial perspective, it's been a year of two halves for us. First half was a challenging year financially. It's a pleasure to be here this morning to walk you through the financial results for the group for, the, uh, for FY22. Um, as Chris said, it's been a, a huge year for the business in many ways. Um, from a financial perspective, it's been a year of two halves for us. First half was a challenging year financially, a challenging period financially with um, steep decline in iron ore prices, widening discounts and increased costs, particularly in the shipping. We, we took steps to cut production at Neilgarn to remove high-cost tons and, and worked to preserve capital by targeting capex. second half was very different. We saw the emergence of lithium as a real um, generating powerhouse for us. We expect that to contribute into the future. We saw lithium driven by higher prices and 
first contributions from hydroxide sales, which we'll talk about. Platts stabilised through the period and discounts was very different. We saw the emergence of lithium as a real um, generating powerhouse for us. We expect that to contribute into the future. We saw lithium driven by higher prices and first contributions from hydroxide sales, which we'll talk about. Platts stabilised through the period and discounts tightened. And as Chris said, in the second half, we, we took steps to strengthen the balance sheet with the, um, the debt raise to help make sure we're well placed to fund the growth in front of us. So in summary, we're in a strong position, a strong balance sheet with great liquidity, ready to deliver all these opportunities in front of us. It's tightened. And as Chris said, in the second half, we, we took steps to strengthen the balance sheet with the, um, the debt raise to help make sure we're well placed to fund the growth in front of us. So in summary, we're in a strong position, a strong balance sheet with great liquidity, ready to deliver all these opportunities in front of us. In terms of the underlying P&L, as Chris said, underlying EBITDA was $1.024 billion, a strong performance for us from where we were at the end of the first half. It was driven by record contributions from lithium $585 million, mining services $333 million, both very strong. Iron ore rebounded from a loss in the first half to contribute $64 million. We did see considerable cost pressures through the, through the year. I'll talk about that when we get to the guidance section. Um, but the costs did land within the guidance that we'd provided. Overall, solid performance and, as Chris said, gave us the confidence to declare, or the board to declare a $1 fully franked dividend. In terms of the, the next slide, you'll see a, a bridge that shows how the year looks compared to the prior year. You can see from that graph the significant impact the fallen iron ore price had. Solid performance and, as Chris said, gave us the confidence to declare, or the board to declare a $1 fully franked dividend. In terms of the, the next slide, you'll see a, a bridge that shows how the year looks compared to the prior year. You can see from that graph the significant impact the fallen iron ore price had on us, about $1.4 billion, offset to an extent by spodumene prices rising. That is a $400 million benefit for us. Overall, adjusting for pricing and so on, underlying performance of the group saw about 9% growth um, through improved volumes and so on. In terms of the cash flow, Historically, the group's had a very strong record of converting um, EBITDA to cash. This year, we saw an increase in working capital, which I'll step through in a little bit more detail shortly. So we converted about 60, 62% of the um, EBITDA into cash in the period. Uh, the tax and dividends that you see there on that slide referenced um, 2021, and we've invested about $800 million in CapEx over the year. We'll talk through that in a bit more detail. And you can see the impact of the bond raising and the cash flow, of course. In terms of the working capital movement, just to explain this a little bit, a little bit more detail shortly. So we converted about 60, 62% of the um, EBITDA into cash in the period. Uh, the tax and dividends that you see there on that slide reference um, 2021. And we've invested about $800 million in CapEx over the year. We'll talk through that in a bit more detail. And you can see the impact of the bond raising and the cash flow, of course. In terms of the working capital movement, just to explain this a little bit better, 
saw an increase in working capital required of about 404 million in the year. Three quarters of that is tied up in receivables. Um, half of that spod, sorry, half of the um, lithium receivable is spod, and that's throughout spod. You mean that's um, the shipments of spod? You mean right at the end of the period? So that's a sign of the increased um, working cap demands of the higher price in spodumene, including true ups on earlier shipments. And there's $223 million worth of lithium hydroxide receivables at the end of the year, and that ties to the commercial arrangements we have with Gangfeng um, through the conversion. Half of that spod, sorry, half of the um, lithium receivable is spod, and that's throughout spodumene. That's um, the shipments of spodumene right at the end of the period. So that's a sign of the increased um, working cap demands of the higher price in spodumene, including true ups on earlier shipments. And there's $223 million worth of lithium hydroxide receivables at the end of the year, and that ties to the commercial arrangements we have with Gangfeng um, through the conversion of that hydroxide. In terms of the capital expenditure of the $800 million, 431 of it's referable to, um, to investment and growth for the future. You can see in this slide that the breadth of activity that we have across different categories, the recommencement of, of operations at Wajana, continued expansion in, or growth in um, new opportunities in iron ore, as well as onslow of that hydroxide. In terms of the capital expenditure of the 800 million, 431 of it's referable to, um, to investment and growth for the future. You can see in this slide that the breadth of activity that we have across different categories, the recommencement of, of operations at Wajana, continued expansion in, or growth in um, new opportunities in iron ore, as well as Onslow, Chris said that we've, we've started there, we have. Uh, mining services, continued investment there and the investment in the office, not just in the office, but we've also started to invest more heavily in technology and, and moving towards the implementation of an ERP. In terms of the balance sheet, balance sheet's solid position, closing cash of $2.4 billion, undrawn facilities on top of that, borrowing sitting at $3.1 billion following the, um, the new notes offering. Overall, I'm comfortable with the, the way the balance sheet shapes up. It leaves us in great position to be able to move forward heavily um, in technology and, and moving towards the implementation of an ERP. In terms of the balance sheet, balance sheet's solid position, closing cash of $2.4 billion, undrawn facilities on top of that, borrowing sitting at $3.1 billion following the, um, the new notes offering. Overall, I'm comfortable with the, the way the balance sheet shapes up. It leaves us in great position to be able to move forward um, and, and deliver on the opportunities in front of us. Just note that there is, um, playing with the numbers, there is a non-current payable of just under $200 million. That's, uh, that's part of the deal for the Red Hill, deferred consideration effectively on the Red Hill Line, JV, tenements. Net debt. So this is only the third time in the last 10 years that we've been net debt balanced state. So historically we've been conservative, we've been happy to sit net cash. 
where we see opportunity to invest, we will, and we have. Last time we went in debt was 2019 when we funded the lithium expansion. And what we saw then was a, was a rapid um, transition back into net cash. We're happy to go net debt where we see good quality assets with long-term horizons. That's what we see here with strong return. So historically we've been conservative, we've been happy to sit net cash. Where we see opportunity to invest, we will and we have. Last time we went net debt was 2019 when we funded the lithium expansion. And what we saw then was a, was a rapid um, transition back into net cash. We're happy to go net debt where we see good quality assets with long-term horizons. That's what we see here with strong returns. And we've talked consistently and we haven't changed our view. We want these assets, these investments to deliver a 20% return on invested capital. That's an after-tax return. We haven't changed that, that metric. So we finished the year um, 700 million net debt. There's de more details in the appendices around the credit metrics, which remain strong. Um, as we move to this next or through this next half and complete this next year, credit metrics will look very strong. And to be frank, that's why the bond investors were prepared to back us in the middle of a very uncertain debt market a few months ago. In terms of value creation, we like these graphs because we think they tell the story of the business. We focus on return on invested capital. Historically, we've averaged 21% since listing. That focus has helped us drive. Credit metrics will look very strong. And to be frank, that's why the bond investors were prepared to back us in the middle of a very uncertain debt market a few months ago. In terms of value creation, we like these graphs because we think they tell the story of the business. We focus on return on invested capital. Historically, we've averaged 21% since listing. That focus has helped us drive operating cash of almost $7 billion, $6.9 billion over that period. That's allowed us to grow dividends at a rate of 20% per annum. Balance sheets doubled in size over the last five years and we'll continue to do so in coming years. Key thing I want to leave you with as a thought this morning though, we're in great shape to be able to take on what we have in front of us. In terms of guidance, in terms of iron ore, we're keeping productions flat. Um, we're being a little bit more targeted, particularly in the yield gun. We're trying to simplify operations there a little bit. Uh, as we start to think about other opportunities down there. In terms of costs, the midpoint of our cost guidance is up 14% year on year. So we're seeing that um, industry-wide cost pressures, labour, um, labour increases, cost of retention. In terms of iron ore, we're keeping productions flat. Um, we're being a little bit more targeted, particularly in the yield gun. We're trying to simplify operations there a little bit uh, as we start to think about other opportunities down there. In terms of costs, the midpoint of our cost guidance is up 14% year on year. So we're seeing that um, industry-wide cost pressures, labour, um, labour increases, cost of retention of people, energy costs, 
we're seeing costs being passed through to us by um, OEMs on heavy equipment and so on. In terms of lithium, as Chris said, significant ramp up of um, production ahead of us with um, Marion targeting to a, to a run rate of 900,000 by the end of this year. Costs at Marion are going to be in line with where they were last year and that's showing the benefit of um, improved scale. Wajana, uh, we, we're giving guidance there on the basis of a 50% targeting to a, to a run rate of 900,000 by the end of this year. Costs at Marion are going to be in line with where they were last year and that's showing the benefit of um, improved scale. Wajana, uh, we, we're giving guidance there on the basis of a 50% share in the asset, just note that. We haven't moved legally to that point but you'll see that detail that Chris will get to. Uh, costs there are high and that's just showing the ramp up at Wajana with lower scale. Life of mine, Wajan is probably 20% cheaper than Marion to, uh, to mine, to operate. We haven't provided hydroxide guidance at this time because we're still working on finalising the long term. And that's just showing the ramp up at Wajana with lower scale. Life of mine, Wajan is probably 20% cheaper than Marion to, uh, to mine, to operate. We haven't provided hydroxide guidance at this time because we're still working on finalising the long-term downstream arrangements and Kemeton hasn't yet reached commercial production. In terms of mining services, expect those um, volumes to remain steady over this, next, over this current year, FY23. In terms of capital expenditure guidance, debated whether to round some of these numbers up because they look very precise, but <laughs> anyway, um, about $2 billion this year. 70% uh, of it's with Onslow Iron. That's the spend that's underway now um, with FID taken on Friday night and the binding in city over this, next, over this current year, FY23. In terms of capital expenditure guidance, debated whether to round some of these numbers up because they look very precise, but <laughs> anyway, um, about $2 billion this year, 70% uh, of it's with Onslow Iron, that's the spend that's underway now um, with FID taken on Friday night and the binding term sheet entered into, we'll be accelerating that in the months ahead, the team are ready. Some, some growth spend in lithium. Uh, notably, uh, we've set aside about $100 million to do more drilling and energy. We think there's a huge opportunity there. Chris will talk about that in more detail. Um, but the payoff's already been huge and we just see um, enormous opportunity in the tenements that we have. So in summary, uh, we're in good shape heading into this new year. The, um, the combination of those numbers that you see in the guidance will give you a, a good outcome in the current year. Balance sheet's in great position to be able to help us fund the opportunities in front of us. Thanks everybody. I'll hand back now to Chris.
Well done, Mark. Thanks for that. Um, okay, so I'll just give you a little bit of a rundown of what we've done over the last 12 months from an operational point of view. Um, for those that aren't really familiar with the MinRes business, we're sort of running four, four key parts, uh, pillars to our business. So we've got mining services, lithium-ion ore and, um, and energy. Um, the mining services part of the business is sort of where we started. It's sort of the heart and soul of us. Um, it's where we... Okay, so I'll just give you a little bit of a rundown of what we've done over the last 12 months from an operational point of view. Um, for those that aren't really familiar with the MinRes business, we're sort of running four, four key parts, uh, pillars to our business. So we've got mining services, lithium-ion ore and, um, and energy. Um, the mining services part of the business is sort of where we started. It's sort of the heart and soul of us. Um, it's where we stay agile and productive. It means that uh, we use those skill sets and we can find deals. We can move on them very quickly. We've got good um, analytical people in our business. We know what we're doing. Um, we generally get it right. Um, we run um, mining services generally across. We started in crushing. We do crushing, processing, um, flotation. Um, we also run mining fleets in specialised areas. We're not real big on that unless it's one of our key clients um, where they're looking to get productivity and they're willing to pay for our services. Uh, and we have a number of them. And uh, we know what we're doing. Um, we generally get it right. Um, we run um, mining services generally across. We started in crushing. We do crushing, processing, um, flotation. Um, we also run mining fleets in specialised areas. We're not real big on that unless it's one of our key clients um, where they're looking to get productivity and they're willing to pay for our services. Uh, and we have a number of them. And uh, we have this very unique build and operate model that a lot have tried to replicate and copy around Australia over the last 20 or so years. And they just, for some reason, haven't really been able to nail it and get it. So it's a little bit like the, the Bunnings model for summary. We, we must have some trick in there that they can't see. But uh, it produces a very long-term annuity cash flow, um, incredibly reliable, reliable business. Every time I look at doing something out there, whether it be a joint venture or going and doing a deal where we're mining, I'm forever looking at where the mining services part of that deal is because each part of it has to have that mining services for us to make our model work. Cash flow, um, incredibly reliable business. Every time I look at doing something out there, whether it be a joint venture or going and doing a deal where we're mining, I'm forever looking at where the mining services part of that deal is because each part of it has to have that mining services for us to make our model work. Um, lithium, we're in the top five global producers. We're going to do better than that over the next couple of years. We'll get bigger and better. Um, we have got um, two of the most significant hard rock deposits on the planet um, and I think that as time goes by, people will really get to realise what it means to have a tier one mine even more importantly, sitting in a Tier 1 location. So, you know, Tier 1 locations don't exist, for example, in Africa. They don't exist in parts of Europe. They sure as shit don't exist down in South America because you can own those assets and your ownership can change and the, um, the rates change. Um, so we're very fortunate that ours are right here in, uh, in WA. Um, so... 
we're progressing also in that area on the lithium, all of the parts of Europe that sure as shit don't exist down in South America because you can own those assets and your ownership can change and the, um, the rates change. Um, so we're very fortunate that ours are right here in, uh, in WA. Um, so we're progressing also in that area on the lithium. All of the spot that we produce, we're eventually going to turn it into into hydroxide and we're well advanced on doing that now. I can't talk a lot about that at the moment but at the AGM we'll be able to give you a lot more news on that. And iron ore, top five uh, producer. We're transitioning into long life low cost operations. Um, we're currently running about 20 million tonnes a year. Over the next five years we're going to move out to 90 million tonnes a year. A lot of people ask why we put money into iron ore. Why don't you put more into lithium? Um, and the answer to that is really simple. We're going after lithium as hard as we can. We're securing as much as we can. And whatever we get, we can fund. Uh, but just remember the amount of cash that these iron ore mines, they consistently pump out cash decade after decade. I mean, they're an incredibly um, reliable business. And uh, where we're heading now, we've finally got a balance sheet where we can go develop some iron ore assets that higher cost in terms of the capital spend, but lower intensity per ton. Um, good business. Um, our energy business, it's been around for a while. It basically looks after all the power that we run now. Go remember the amount of cash that these iron ore mines, they consistently pump out cash decade after decade. I mean, they're an incredibly um, reliable business. And uh, where we're heading now, we've finally got a balance sheet where we can go develop some iron ore assets that higher cost in terms of the capital spend, but lower intensity per ton. Um, good business. Um, our energy business, it's been around for a while. It basically looks after all the power that we run now. It goes out and buys the gas, runs the power plants. Um, where we're heading now is into a different area. We've acquired land over the last few years in the Perth Basin. So the Perth Basin is probably the most unexplored and, and the most prospective region in Australia for, for gas. So we got, uh, we're the largest holder in that region and also on the Carnarvon Basin. So... That's sort of the business in a nutshell. That's what we do. Um, performance of the mining services business over the last 12 months. Again, it's been quite exceptional. I was road showing out in um, New York in 2019. We'd done our first bond and I said to them that over the next two to two and a half years we're going to double the mining services business and the common theme was that every time you grow a business like that you melt away the margin. So I said not not with us. I mean, we have a unique model. So we've doubled that business and then a bit from 19 through to 22. And we've increased our margins by 14% in doing that. So, you know, quite an outstanding um, achievement. We've had record volumes over the last 12 and a half years. We're going to double the mining services business. And the common theme was that every time you grow a business like that, you melt away the margin. So I said not not with us. I mean, we have a unique model. So we've doubled that business and then a bit from 19 through to 22. And we've increased our margins by 14% in doing that. So, you know, quite an outstanding um, achievement. We've had record volumes over the last 12 months. We've retained 100% of our contracts and we've added five new ones. So um, they're always a great performer. We're running 23 operating plants. Construction division in, um, inside our mining services business is very strong. It 
the leadership have been in there for 15 to 22 years. Once we've retained 100% of our contracts and we've added five new ones. So um, they're always a great performer. We're running 23 operating plants. Construction division in, um, inside our mining services business is very strong. It, the leadership have been in there for 15 to 22 years um, leading that business and running it and they can time and time again we can go on site, we can go build a plant at the number that we thought we could do it for because we've got people that know what they're doing. They've recently recommissioned Wajana um, trains one and two and they're almost there on train three. Uh, they're doing the upgrade obviously down at Mount Marion and uh, they've got a fairly big chore ahead of them. They're spread out right across from the coast to 150 k's inland in Onslow and uh, they're getting ready to crank that up. Haulage part of the the business in uh, our mining service has been really busy. They've developed these big road trains. They're the largest road trains in the world. Our cost of moving dirt now is under three cents per tonne kilometre. Um, and if you have a look at the capital cost of being able to put these things together compared to a heavy haul train system, I mean, these things open up stranded deposits. So we've got about 25 of them running that we've developed over the last sort of nine months. Again, you know, they're a one-off. They're the first worked with Kenworth to develop these big girls that pull them. We've actually had one in the yard the other day and we've got a hydrogen injection that goes in the world. Our cost of moving dirt now is under three cents per tonne kilometre. Um, and if you have a look at the capital cost of being able to put these things together compared to a heavy haul train system, I mean, these things open up stranded deposits. So we've got about 25 of them running that we've developed over the last sort of nine months. Again, you know, they're a one-off, they're the first worked with Kenworth to develop these big girls that pull them. We've actually had one in the yard the other day and we've got a hydrogen injection that goes on the side of the engines now. So we basically, from what I understand, we kind of get some water and we sort of inject it in the engine and it gives about a 30% fuel saving already. So we're working down that path. But uh, big trucks and uh, they can move a lot. We have also had um, an organ on the side of the engines now. So... We basically, from what I understand, we kind of get some water and we sort of inject it in the engine and it gives us about a 30% fuel saving already. So we're working down that path, but uh, big trucks and uh, they can move a lot. We have also had um, an organisation out of the US working with us for about 18 months. We've actually got these big girls now. They're autonomous, but we've still got drivers sitting in them. Um, over the next 12 months, those drivers will come out and We'll no longer have cabs on our trucks. So Onslow Iron will be running stage one, about 150 of these big girls. Organisation of the US working with us for about 18 months. We've actually got these big girls now. They're autonomous, but we've still got drivers sitting in them. Um, over the next 12 months, those drivers will come out and we'll no longer have cabs on our trucks. So Onslow Iron will be running stage one, about 150 of these big girls. And for that, you need about um, 550 drivers. So probably over 500 drivers will disappear. Um, um, obviously a big saving, but you take the drivers out of trucks too. The safety that it adds to them just goes to another level as well and consistency in running them. So a lot of good work done there. And also in the mining services, we've started a marine division. We have uh, got uh, the first four of our five train shippers um, getting... And for that, you need about um, 550 drivers. So 
probably over 500 drivers will disappear. Um, um, obviously a big saving, but you take the drivers out of trucks too. The safety that it adds to them just goes to another level as well and consistency in running them. So a lot of good work done there. And also in the mining services, we've started a marine division. We have uh, got uh, the first four of our five transshippers um, getting built. When we operate the on-site port, it'll be our lowest cost port. Even though we're running these transshippers, it'll be lower cost than um, Esperance, it'll be lower than Quinana, and it'll be much, much lower than what we're running out of um, Port Hedland. So, um, good result for us. Commodities on lithium has performed well, as you can see. The the average price of lithium going back a year ago is about 1,600 bucks a tonne for SPOD and um, hydroxide was up to about 22,000 a tonne. Today, um, realistically, around about 6,000 a tonne for um, a tonne of spodumene, 6%, and we're getting, on all the tonnes we're selling on hydroxide, we're getting plus 70,000 US a tonne, I think, SPOD. And... Um, Hydroxide was up to about 22,000 a tonne. Today, um, realistically, around about 6,000 a tonne for um, a tonne of spodumene, 6%. And we're getting, on all the tonnes we're selling on hydroxide, we're getting plus 70,000 US a tonne. I think last quarter we averaged about 77. So um, numbers are in good shape. Um, all of the... Um, Hydrox, oh, sorry, all of our offtake now coming out of Mount Marion. As of February, we're converting that into hydroxide and we're doing that with the, um, the help of our friends from Gangfang who are toll treating for us up in China um, and come to a really great commercial arrangement. They've got to acknowledge Gangfang have been just a, a great partner from day one. And uh, hydrox, oh, sorry, all of our offtake now coming out of Mount Marion. As of February, we're converting that into hydroxide and we're doing that with the... Um, the help of our friends from Gangfang who are toll treating for us up in China um, and come to a really great commercial arrangement. They've got to acknowledge Gangfang have been just a great partner from day one and uh, very easy to work with. So the Wajana restart's gone well. One and two are running. Um, first shipment of uh, SPOD went out in July um, for conversion in, uh, over in China. The conversion's the responsibility of Albemarle, so... Um, what we're doing is uh, we're buying and building plants and um, as quickly as we can we want to be able to convert all of our hydroxide or, or spod that comes out of Wajana over the years into um, hydroxide. Very easy to work with. So the Wajana restart's gone well. One and two are running. Um, first shipment of uh, spod went out in July um, for conversion in, uh, over in China. The conversion's the responsibility of Albemarle, so um, what we're doing is uh, we're buying and building plants and um, as quickly as we can we want to be able to convert all of our hydroxide or, or spod that comes out of Wajana over the years into um, hydroxide. Um, iron ore, we've had record tonnes, 19.2 million shipped, up 11%. Pricing has been challenging. You know, If we go back a year and a bit ago we were selling it like it was gold um, within about 69 days. We had the greatest crash in history of iron ore, so um, we went back to work. We thought we were on the verge of retirement, but um, the price disappeared from under us. Um, and then it's sort of been up again and down, but it, it's okay the way it is. I mean, if it hangs in the way it is, we'll be happy. I, I don't think that 
I don't think we're going to see it getting back down around the $80 level. I shouldn't um, prejudice by saying it. I don't think it will. I mean, there is a lot of challenges out there on the supply side at the moment, so um, there's not as much iron ore running around the market as everyone perceives. Um, Birth three, as I said earlier, great achievement. We were given that by the WA government. We converted that into a binding agreement on the site. Saying up, I don't think it will. I mean, there is a lot of challenges out there on the supply side at the moment. So um, there's not as much iron ore running around the market as everyone perceives. Um, birth three, as I said earlier, great achievement. We were given that by the WA government. We converted that into a binding agreement on the supply chain with Ancox. So that's gone really well and um, the early works have started on Onslow and in fact we're getting into that in earnest. Energy, um, how did we go on energy? We doubled our land holding, there was a tender come out so we had the large land holding in the Perth Basin and we just went up and doubled it, we won the tender convincingly um, and since then every gas company in the country's approached us about being our partner. Uh, and the second thing we've done is we just got lucky. Uh, we've got some very talented people that looked at all the land and figured out if we drilled a hole four and a quarters deep, we should hit gas. Um, and we did. We spent $15 million and um, we've hit what they believe is the largest onshore discovery in, in Australia. Um, there's no doubt. There's went up and doubled it. We won the tender convincingly. Um, and since then, every gas company in the country's approached us about being our partner. Uh, and the second thing we've done is we just got lucky. Uh, we've got some very talented people that looked at all the land and figured out if we drilled a hole four and a quarters deep, we should hit gas. Um, and we did. We spent $15 million and um, we've hit what they believe is the largest onshore discovery in, in Australia. Um, there's no doubt there's a lot of gas down there. We've got a lot of work to do on that. Uh, we're doing it now, doing test work. So... Um, more to happen down there. We think that we can um, bring um, our Red Gully plant that we've had in mothballs, uh, bring that back into line over the next couple of years. And uh, we've got a lot more work to do up in, um, up in the Carnarvon Basin as well. So that's the year that's been. Where are we heading over the next five years? We've got some projects that are locked in. We've got some great opportunities sitting in the beauty lineup. Um, the, the first one that we're looking at obviously is on. We can um, bring um, our Red Gully plant that we've had in mothballs, um, bring that back into line over the next couple of years. And uh, we've got a lot more work to do up in, um, up in the Carnarvon Basin as well. So that's the year that's been. Where are we heading over the next five years? We've got some projects that are locked in. We've got some great opportunities sitting in the beauty lineup. Um, the, the first one that we're looking at obviously is Onslow. Um, to be able to do what we're going to do over the next five years, it's a people thing. It's not, not money. I mean, we can get money. It's not getting great opportunities. We've got all of those sitting in front. It's just purely people. Um, so in the next five years, we're going to go from 20 to 90 slow. Um to be able to do what we're going to do over the next five years, it's a people thing. It's not, not money. I mean, we can get money. It's not getting great opportunities. We've got all of those sitting in front. It's just purely people. Um, so in the next five years, we're going to go from 20 to 90 million tonne of iron ore production. 
in two years we'll be at 50 million tonne. Um, we're going to go over 100,000 tonnes of hydroxide production in our own right. Mining services, it'll more than double. I mean, if you just have a look at what we've got locked away at the moment, I mean, we're adding um, three major mining services contracts out of the uh, Onzo region and crushing trucking trans shipping. Um, we've got the um, supply chain from uh, Marilana mine site to ship um, through Port Hedlands. So, huge numbers we're going to be doing. They're 30 to 40 year contracts and the thing that we know our own right. Mining services, it'll more than double. I mean, if you just have a look at what we've got locked away at the moment, I mean, we're adding um, three major mining services contracts out of the uh, Onslow region and crushing trucking trans shipping. Um, we've got the um, supply chain from uh, Marilana mine site to ship um, through Port Hedland. So, huge numbers we're going to be doing. They're 30 to 40 year contracts. And the thing that we need the most out of all of that is we've got to get people, we've got to get them through the door, we've got to do it in the right way and we've got to make sure we get that retention. Um, and we're going to go to, we have already started, we're going to a different level than anyone's gone to in the mining industry. We're going to be really innovative with this. Um, when you walk into our head office, you'll think we've lost the plot, but um, about two minutes later you go, this is the place you would want to work. We don't have anyone that wants to work from home. They all want to come to work. We need the most out of all of that is we've got to get people, we've got to get them through the door, we've got to do it in the right way and we've got to make sure we get that retention. Um, and we're going to go to, we have already started, we're going to a different level than anyone's gone to in the mining industry. We're going to be really innovative with this. Um, when you walk into our head office, you'll think we've lost the plot, but um, about two minutes later you go, this is the place you would want to work. We don't have anyone that wants to work from home. They all want to come to work. Um, they love the experience. We're going to carry that forward into our camp. So typically a room in a camp is about 12 square metres when we build on. So it's going to be about 30 square metres plus ensuite, plus laundry, plus a balcony with a, a barbecue on the front of it. So we're looking at how do we get people to go there from a different area that we've recruited from. We're, we're looking for couples, boyfriend, girlfriend, husbands, wives, going to be about 30 square metres plus ensuite, plus laundry, plus a balcony with a, a barbecue on the front of it. So we're looking at how do we get people to go there from a different area that we've recruited from. We're, we're looking for couples, boyfriend, girlfriend, husbands, wives. I mean, if the husband's a mechanic and the wife wants to do something, in about eight weeks we can put her through a training course and um, we can give her a job for about 120 to 140 grand a year um, and uh, they can live there as a couple. They can do one on, one off or two weeks on, two off. Um, so we're going to have a whole range of different opportunities to bring people to site. Young people can go up there and earn some good cash and go buy a house. Older folk um, can go up there and just make sure that they really secure their retirement. So we... I also want to get away from this thing, you know, where the guys walk in the camp, they hang up their hobnail boots, they dominate the wet mess, they drink piss, they throw darts. Here we're going to have Olympic-sized pools in the camps. We're going to have restaurants. We're going to have taverns, very small taverns. We're going to have a lot of training on site. We're going to get involved in sport, all those sort of things. So my concerns, mental health, um, 
safety of our female and just make sure that they really secure their retirement. So we, I also want to get away from this thing, you know, where the guys walk in the camp, they hang up their hobnail boots, they dominate the wet mess, they drink piss, they throw darts. Here we're going to have Olympic-sized pools in the camps. We're going to have restaurants. We're going to have taverns, very small taverns. We're going to have a lot of training on site. We're going to get involved in sport, all those sort of things. So my concerns, mental health, uh, safety of our female population. So I'm going to create a community, not a single men's quarters. So community is going to be full of couples. It's going to have a very different atmosphere. And we get some pretty average press on the uh, safety of our women in our camps. Our women in our camps are safe. They always have been. I can't guarantee it 100% when you consider the communities they're coming out of. Um, they're not safe in. So they're much safer on my mind site than anywhere, but we're going to multiply that up. So I just want to let everyone know that you know a typical room that I would have spent $40,000 on last week, I'm probably going to spend 120 on some pretty average press on the uh, safety of our women in our camps. Our women in our camps are safe. They always have been. I can't guarantee it 100% when you consider the communities they're coming out of. Um, they're not safe in. So they're much safer on my mind site than anywhere, but we're going to multiply that up. So I just want to let everyone know that you know a typical room that I would have spent $40,000 on last week, I'm probably going to spend 120 on now. So it's going to be three times the cost. But if you knew the cost of losing people and uh, not having retention in your workforce and the missed opportunity on production is, pit, sorry, the room cost and what we're doing in the camps is an absolute pittance to where we're going. So I'll explain that a little bit more shortly. So I wanted just to be prepared for that because um, it's really important. So operations, where are we going over the next five years? Iron ore, Utah Point, it's pretty much going to be business as usual. We're going to run about 11 million tonne out of the year. It's coming out of one manor in Iron Valley. Later down the track in years to come, we'll probably open up uh, Lambs Creek and Wedge. There are other opportunities up there for us, but look, as long as that Utah Point thing makes money, I'll keep it running. It doesn't make a heap of beans. It's a high-cost operation, but... It's, uh, it's like a cat with nine lives that just keeps surviving. So as long as iron ore, Utah Point, it's pretty much going to be business as usual. We're going to run about 11 million tonne out of the year. It's coming out of one manor in Iron Valley. Later down the track in years to come, we'll probably open up uh, Lambs Creek and Wedge. There are other opportunities up there for us, but look, as long as that Utah Point thing makes money, I'll keep it running. It doesn't make a heap of beans. It's a high-cost operation, but... You know, it's, uh, it's like a cat with nine lives that just keeps surviving. So as long as it does that, I'll keep doing that. The Yule Gun, again, it's sort of high cost. We're running, we're going to be running about 7 million tonne a year down there for the next four years. Um, we're running hematite out of there. Um, it's challenging again. It's 15 pits that we're running. North to south, they're spread over 200 kilometres. So we're bringing them into a central hub, processing them and then we're shipping them about 600k south to, to uh, Esperance on rail. Um, where we are going with the Yulgarn, the upside in that is that we have got an awful lot of magnetite down there. So I'm going to transition next four years. Um, we're running hematite out of there. Um, it's challenging again. It's 15 pits that we're running. 
north to south, they're spread over 200 kilometres, so we're bringing them into a central hub, processing them, and then we're shipping them about 600 k's south to, to uh, Esperance on rail. Um, where we are going with the Yulgarn, the upside in that is that we have got an awful lot of magnetite down there, so I'm going to transition um, out of the hematite over the next three to four years and it'll be a full-on magnetite operation. I can see us getting to a good solid 15 million tonnes of magnetite coming out of there, about 67% FE, so up the top of uh, where you want to be in terms of quality. And then if you combine that with uh, where we're going with gas, I mean, we'll have gas that's probably going to cost us about a dollar a gigajoule. Um, I want to be able to get power down there. I've got the lowest cost gas in the world. If I can pelletise my uh, magnetite, um, it's a much greener product. It's dust free and it's going to go to places like Korea and Japan and to specialty mills. So you know, I can see a 30 year plus operation in that and we've already got a great supply chain. So that's where I'll be going with that. It's, um, it, it's one that will almost certainly happen. The Pilbara Hub. So um, as I said earlier, we won the, uh, the right to develop the um, Southwest Creek berth. We've married in with um, Hancock's and we've got the approval pro processes running. Um, we've got a binding agreement with them. We're going to develop a 40 million tonne mill, so you know, I can see a 30-year-plus operation in that, and we've already got a great supply chain, so that's where I'll be going with that. It's, um, it, it's one that will almost certainly happen. The Pilbara Hub, so... Um, as I said earlier, we won the, uh, the right to develop the um, Southwest Creek berth. We've married in with um, Hancock's and we've got the approval pro processes running. Um, we've got a binding agreement with them. We're going to develop a 40 million tonne supply chain up there, rail and port. Um, great partners. We've known Hancock for a long time. They're an exceptionally good uh, organisation to work for um, with high quality people. So that's going to be a great opportunity. We're going to develop Marilana. It's 50-50 between Minres and, and uh, Brockman. And uh, we'll haul that down and uh, put it into ships. It's about a 30-year mine life, 20 million tonne run rate, about 60.5% or so. Good product. About two years to do the development and get the uh, approvals done. And then about another two to two and a half years to go do the build. So no real money to spend there until after the high-quality people. So that's going to be a great opportunity. We're going to develop Marilana. It's 50-50 between Minres and, and uh, Brockman. And uh, we'll haul that down and uh, put it into ships. It's about a 30-year mine life, 20 million tonne run rate, about 60.5% or so. Good product. About two years to do the development and get the uh, approvals done. And then about another two to two and a half years to go do the build. So no real money to spend there until after the Ashburton sort of in operation. So a bit more detail here around the Ashburton. As I said, finally on uh, Friday night after many years, and I'd hate to think how many thousands of man-hours I put into this, but um, this is the toughest um, joint venture deal I've ever, ever put together. But it's um, uh, three good partners, POSCO, AMC, uh, AMCI and uh, Bao Wu from China. So we've got good partners in there. It's transformational, it's low risk, it's a long, long-term project. There's over three billion tonnes of ore out in that region. Um, we'll be there for a long time. Stage one, 30 million tonne design. All of the equipment we're putting in there has the capability of doing about 35, 36 million. 
Uh, it'll do 35 when it's running. Uh, three good partners, Posco AMC, uh, AMCI and uh, Baowu from China. So we've got good partners in there. It's transformational, it's low risk, it's a long, long-term project. There's over 3 billion tonnes of ore out in that region. Um, we'll be there for a long time. Stage one, 30 million tonne design. All of the equipment we're putting in there has the capability of doing about 35, 36 million. Um, it'll do 35 when it's running. Um, stage two, we can easily kick it up to 55 million without spending a heap of beans. So the project has been structured where MinRes are the managers. They're the manager of everything. So we're the managers of providing the funding, design, build it, and then once it's built, we're the operators. So in turn for funding it, we got went from 40 to 57% of the project. The project pays that money back to us out of cash flow. We've got a formula in there how we, so we get that money back relatively quickly. And then we got another 3.3% shareholding through our ownership in Equilla. So the way we've broken this up is we've got what we call Mineco. Mineco is owned by the JV. Mineco owns the iron ore, the tenements, the pit, everything in city operators. So in turn for funding it, we got went from 40 to 57% of the project. The project pays that money back to us out of cash flow. We've got a formula in there how we, so we get that money back relatively quickly. And then we got another 3.3% shareholding through our ownership in Equilla. So the way we've broken this up is we've got what we call Mineco. Mineco is owned by the JV. Mineco owns the iron ore, the tenements, the pit, everything inside the gate where the miners, the camp, the airstrip. We operate that. When the ore goes through the gate, it goes down um, privately owned haul road into Onslow, into storage and onto a transshipping wharf. All of that's the Infoco, that's owned 100% by MinRes. We charge a unit rate for the use of that forever. Um, and then the third part of it is that we've got three mining services contracts, actually four. We've got the crushing, the haulage, we've got the port management, and then we've got the transshipping. So um, in a nutshell, it's got all of the recipe that Minra is like. We've got the management control of it. We're going to get this thing built fast. We're going to be efficient. Um, we've got the mining services carved out of it. And the reason that the mine for the use of that forever um, and then the third part of it is that we've got three mining services contracts, actually four. We've got the crushing, the haulage, we've got the port management, and then we've got the transshipping. So um, in a nutshell, it's got all of the recipe that Minra is like. We've got the management control of it. We're going to get this thing built fast. We're going to be efficient. Um, we've got the mining services carved out of it. And the reason that the mining services it adds a huge benefit to our clients. It's not like we go and make our margin, which we do, but no one else has got a next-gen plant. For us to go and put one of our plants on site, capital cost of putting our plant there is about a third of putting the traditional plant. That reflects in the rate. Yes, we make good profit. I make no excuse for that. But also our client gets it for a lesser cost than they can get it for otherwise. The trucks... Without the trucks and the trans shippers, this project would never go. So it, didn't, it couldn't afford the traditional Cape Carrier berth, 20 miles of dredging and heavy haul rail. It can stand this. So um, 
we bring a lot of benefit to our joint venture partners and yes we do, we always make money in our mining services and we're proud of the margin that we make, we just don't like to share it. Um, so look, just in brief, Central Hub 150 k's in land, the Central Hub, um, the main feeder pit's going to be Cairns in there, that's where we put everything. We put one of these um, resort style camps, um, an airport right beside the camp. Um, the cost of Mineco, we've got a number against that, fixed price for us to do that, $1.3 billion. Um, as I said, Minre is funded and the money comes back out of the, uh, the surplus out of the iron ore. It's, um, an airport right beside the camp. Um, the cost of Mineco, we've got a number against that, fixed price for us to do that, $1.3 billion. Um, as I said, Minre is funded and the money comes back out of the, uh, the surplus out of the iron ore. And the mine cost, or mine co, operating cost, or sorry, the cost of iron ore, FOB, um, Onslow, is about $32 AUD a tonne. That is inclusive of the Minres mining services margins as well, so take note of that. Bauer have given a commitment they want to market at least 50% of Minres' share of the, the iron ore, and they've got an option over another 25% of it, so... I think they'll most likely do that um, and I'm more than happy for Baowu to be um, hauling all our dirt into, um, into China for the next 50 years. Um, mining services, I think you've got a good, good grip of that. The infrastructure, as I said, we own it forever. Uh, we charge a fixed rate per tonne. Um, same with the mining services. It's based on charging them a fixed rate based on 30 million tonnes. If I do 35, 36, even up to 55, I still charge the same rate. Under normal conditions, those rates diminish. Um, in this case, they don't. Um, same with the infrastructure. I mean, I charge that for as many tonnes as it goes over the road, and I charge it for the next whatever, 100 years. So another great asset for us to own. Um, total projects, about a $3 billion spend. Capital intensity is about $65 US a tonne, but that kind of includes everything. A good solid 20% internal rate of return if the price of iron ore, the indices is around 75 So, energy, getting towards the end. We've got a lot of gas, and it's going to be a very substantial earner for Minres going forward. I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there on what we can do with it. There's opportunities to convert it into LNG. Personally, I'm a strong believer that I think gas is going to be around in the market for the next 40 or 50 years. I think a lot of people have forgotten that um, we certainly want to get rid of carbon out of the atmosphere, but um, it's got to be staged. There's a lot of third world countries out there that can't stop using coal, for example, um, if they see substantial earner for Minres going forward. I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there on what we can do with it. There's opportunities to convert it into LNG. Personally, I'm a strong believer that I think gas is going to be around in the market for the next 40 or 50 years. I think a lot of people have forgotten that um, we certainly want to get a really carbon out of the atmosphere, but um, it's got to be staged. There's a lot of third world countries out there that can't stop using coal, for example, um, if they stop using coal, they'll freeze, they'll die. Um, they don't have 
the capital. I mean, it's like Australia when we were, before we became a first world country, we went out there, we burnt coal, we chopped down all the trees and um, burnt everything that we could and then we became first world and now we're really, really good people. But to get here, it gets here at a cost. So I think coal is going to be burnt for decades to come. Um, I think the world's trying to get rid of it, but it's a long way down the track. I think gas is a transitional fuel, and um, I think that we're going to use gas for our own power. Uh, Obviously, we're probably going to use gas if we can convert it to LNG and go sell it. Uh, and we're certainly going to do downstreaming wherever we can where we add value. So I think we'll end up with 40 or 50 years of, of gas um, up in that Perth Basin. Um, we're going to put about $100 million worth of holes down over the next 12 months and go find some more. Um, that Lockyer Deep is no doubt it's, it's a large deposit. Um, we think we're probably going to bring that uh, Red Gully plant that we got up there we inherited. We'll bring that back online in the next... Um, up in that Perth Basin. Um, we're going to put about $100 million worth of holes down over the next 12 months and go find some more. Um, that Lockyer Deep is no doubt it's, it's a large deposit. Um, we think we're probably going to bring that uh, Red Gully plant that we got up there we inherited. We'll bring that back online in the next couple of years. And um, we've got uh, a lot of work to do up there. Um, lithium, just a few notes on lithium. The governments generally um, are putting policies in place around the world and they really want um, electric vehicles to be a large part of the transition away from um, all the nasty fuels that we're burning. It's going to be a a game changer. They're already well on the way in the last couple of years. We've just seen them going from a couple of... The governments generally um, are putting policies in place around the world and they really want um, electric vehicles to be a large part of the transition away from... Um, All the nasty fuels that we're burning, it's going to be a a game changer. They're already well on the way in the last couple of years. We've just seen them going from a couple of car companies doing electric cars to pretty much everyone. If you're not building electric cars, you're probably not going to stay in business long. The global car companies, they're definitely responding. Um, They're targeting to have at least 60 million EVs by about 2030. Um, they're always understating um, the number of cars they need on the road, the amount of power storage that's needed about every quarter. There's new numbers that come out. Um, We identified back in 2010 that um, lithium was certainly going to be a a metal of the future um, and it's going to have an important place in the world. There is no alternative for lithium at the moment and it can't be replaced. It's one of the few... Um, commodities out there that has got really good visibility and that's I don't understand with a lot of the analysts. I mean, if you get your little thing called Google, you can get on there and it'll tell you how many cars they're going to make this year, next year and the year after and it'll tell you where the producers are with rock and brine. Um, It's not a hard equation but we're in um, supply deficit at the moment and at the moment and it can't be replaced. It's one of the few... Um, commodities out there that has got really good visibility and that's I don't understand with a lot of the analysts. I mean, if you get your little thing called Google, you can get on there and it'll tell you how many cars they're going to make this year, next year and the year after and it'll tell you where the producers are with rock and brine. Um, It's not a hard equation but we're in um, supply deficit at the moment and it feels like it's going to stay there through till at least 
2030. Um, the hard rock is probably the better source of um, lithium. I think that generally speaking the battery manufacturers get much more um, power retention in the, in the hard rock batteries and uh, the field say it's going to stay there through till at least 2030. Um, the hard rock is probably the better source of um, lithium. I think that generally speaking the battery manufacturers get much more um, power retention in the, in the hard rock batteries and uh, the best place to find it in the world is in WA. Uh, we've got most of it so we're in a good spot. The price outlook for it and again I read that article a few weeks ago from Goldman Sachs and you just got to wonder what they were smoking but you know, if you have a look at this chart here that's us. If you're down in the black and you own rock in the ground you're God. Um, if you're in that the price outlook for it and again I read that article a few weeks ago from Goldman Sachs and you just got to wonder what they were smoking but you know, if you have a look at this chart here that's us. If you're down in the black and you own rock in the ground you're God. Um, if you're in that other space and you don't own your rock you, literally you're screwed by us. <laughs> and it's a really good place to be. I mean I haven't been there very often. I've been on the other end but right now I feel really, really good about this. So, In simple maths you need about seven tonne of hydroxide and other space and you don't own your rock you, literally you're screwed by us. <laughs> and it's a really good place to be. I mean I haven't been there very often. I've been on the other end but right now I feel really, really good about this. So, in simple maths, you need about 7 tonne of hydroxide of uh, spod to make a tonne of hydroxide, around 6%. It currently sells at the moment for about 6,500 US a tonne. Do the math. Chuck about another 4,500-5,000 at that for reagents, labour and capital and that's what it costs you to make a tonne of hydroxide. So, over half the hydroxide around the world is made by people that don't own rock in the ground. So if I go to what the analysts say the long-term consensus price outlook for hydroxide is at $16,500 a tonne, that means that all those guys in the blue are out of business. For half the hydroxide around the world is made by people that don't own rock in the ground. So if I go to what the analysts say the long-term consensus price outlook for hydroxide is at $16,500 a tonne, that means that all those guys in the blue are out of business. That means there's a huge supply problem. I like it. Again, we're in the right place at the right time. So I just think that, you know, you, you have a look at California come out of, out of the blue last week and said by 2035, no more combustion engines on the, on the road. And you go, yep, that's sensible, but um, none of that is factored into the numbers that people are looking at in terms of where the supply is coming from. So look, I just think, I'm not trying to pump our tyres up, but I just think we're in a really, really good place. Um, we've got great lithium, great partners, both partners know how to make And you go, yep, that's sensible, but um, none of that is factored into the numbers that people are looking at in terms of 
where the supply is coming from. So look, I just think, I'm not trying to pump our tyres up, but I just think we're in a really, really good place. Um, we've got great lithium, great partners. Both partners know how to make hydroxide and they're making it. So I'm very hopeful that we're going to do a lot of good things with uh, this part of the business. Mount Marion Asset, um, it's a great asset. We've um, been down there since 2010. We own half it. We designed it. We built it. Um, we've got a great partner in Gangfang. We're doubling hydroxide and they're making it. So I'm very hopeful that we're going to do a lot of good things with uh, this part of the business. Mount Marion Asset, um, it's a great asset. We've um, been down there since 2010. We own half it. We designed it. We built it. Um, we've got a great partner in Gangfang. We're doubling production down there at the moment. We're going to 900,000 tonnes. It's mixed grade. So what we do is that we scavenge every last bit of the, uh, the uh, lithium out of the product. So it's not all 6%. But if you went 900,000 tonnes, factor it back to 600,000 tonnes of 6% equivalent. We're spending 120 million down there on just on improvement on recoveries. And we're just growing the plant and, uh, and growing the camp. So about 120 production down there at the moment. We're going to 900,000 tonnes. It's mixed grade. So what we do is that we scavenge every last bit of the, uh, the uh, lithium out of the product. So it's not all 6%. But if you went 900,000 tonnes, factor it back to 600,000 tonnes of 6% equivalent. We're spending 120 million down there on just on improvement on recoveries. And we're just growing the plant and, uh, and growing the camp. So about 120 million bucks, it gives us um, an awful lot of uh, white powder and, and it's a great return. So all our share of that goes into hydroxide up in uh, China and we sell it. Um. Finally, uh, Marble, a Marble joint venture, that's the JV between uh, Minres and Albemarle. Um, they decided to call it Marble, which is a, a mixture of MIN and um, 20 million bucks, it gives us um, an awful lot of uh, white powder and, and it's a great return. So all our share of that goes into hydroxide up in uh, China and we sell it. Um, finally, uh, Marble, a Marble joint venture, that's the JV between uh, Minres and Albemarle. Um, they decided to call it Marble, which is a, a mixture of MIN and um, ALB, nothing difficult with that. So we've just restructured that JV. So what it means now is on the Wadjina site, we've gone back to a 50-50 joint venture. Minres run the mine. We run the whole process up there. We've throttled back from Kemerton from 45 to 15. And then we are jointly funding all the future development going forward in terms of hydroxide. Um, we're looking at a couple of plants offshore buying one and building one, well advanced, that's all on hand and started. Um, the one that I'm very keen on, I want to build at Wajina. I think I can build at Wajina for less than I can build um, up in Asia. Um, and we're about 80% of the way through that study. We've done a lot of work on it and it just makes a lot of common sense. If I can get it for the same capital cost here in Australia at Wajina, I've got the cheapest power in the world. We own the gas. Um, I've got great water supply. I've got total control over the whole thing. Um, it's a great site. 
My people go in there, they go in there, do two weeks on, two off. I've got them held total captive. Um, so once they're on site, we can build um, up in Asia. Um, and we're about 80% of the way through that study. We've done a lot of work on it, and it just makes a lot of common sense. If I can get it for the same capital cost here in Australia, at Wajina, I've got the cheapest power in the world. We own the gas. Um, I've got great water supply. I've got total control over the whole thing. Um, it's a great site. My people go in there. They go in there, do two weeks on, two off. I've got them held total captive. Um, so once they're on site, I own them. Um, it's a good place to be. So we'll get our costs down fairly low there. The other thing that we've done is that a while back, Albemarle had all the marketing rights so they could market it to whoever they wanted for whatever price they wanted. So part of the, tra the trade down on the, um, um, the sell down on Kimmerton was that I want control back of my pricing. So our, they're still going to sell our product, but they sell it under our model. So we have a so they could market it to whoever they wanted for whatever price they wanted. So part of the, tra the trade down on the, um, um, the sell down on Kimmerton was that I want control back of my pricing. So our, they're still going to sell our product, but they sell it under our model. So we have a, a combined indices that we want them to sell at. So whatever the indices is on the day when we load the ship, that's what they'll pay, very much like iron ore. When you load a tonne of iron ore on a ship, it's that number that's published. So what I don't like to do, I don't like to hedge any of our commodity or any of our dollar. We just take the price of the day. So I think Albemarle asked me what I'm going to do one day when it all turns around and there's more um, supply on a ship. It's that number that's published. So what I don't like to do, I don't like to hedge any of our commodity or any of our dollar. We just take the price of the day. So I think Albemarle asked me what I'm going to do one day when it all turns around and there's more um, supply than demand and I said, I'll do what I always do, I'll change. But in the meantime, while it's supply short, we're going to take advantage of the price on the way up and I, I am fairly convinced that I've got five to seven years of of that. So, Wajina, um, it's probably close on the best um, deposit um, out there in the world. It's open at depth, it's open in three directions. Um, we've got it back into operation, it's running well, and uh, as I said, you know, it's my, my preference is to build up there. So, I mean, it, it's just a great asset um, that Wajina and we're. Uh, Probably between now and the end, uh, the middle of next year, and it'll be pumping a lot of a lot of product. So our five-year plan for we've got it back into operation. It's running well, and uh, as I said, you know, it's my my preference is to build up there. So I mean, it, it's just a great asset um, at Wajina. We're uh, probably between now and the end, uh, the middle of next year, and it'll be pumping a lot of a lot of product. So our five-year plan for lithium. almost, there it is. So in about five years we land at about 118,000 tonne of hydroxide, that's sort of where we're aiming to get to um, and we're also we're looking around the world to make sure if there's any other opportunities out there on, uh, on lithium we are, uh, we're keen. So 
feel that's sort of a minimum of where we're going to be. I mean, at 118,000 tonne of hydroxide, that's sort of where we're aiming to get to. Um, and we're also, we're looking around the world to make sure if there's any other opportunities out there on, uh, on lithium, we're, uh, we're keen. So I feel that's sort of a minimum of where we're going to be. I mean, I don't know where the development of Wadjener ends, but I mean, it can handle another three or four trains on top of what it's got now with, um, with a lot of ease. So we'll see how that develops. We've got a joint venture partner and uh, we bring product on in line with um, demand. Um, the, the last part on our, I don't know where the development of Wadjener ends, but I mean, it, it can handle another three or four trains on top of what it's got now with, um, with a lot of ease. So we'll see how that develops. We've got a joint venture partner and uh, we bring product on in line with um, demand. Um, the, the last part on our, our uh, electric part of our business, I've got a really desire to uh, develop battery manufacturing here in, in WA. Um, I think it's logical. Um, I think we have all the resources here, and what I'd really like to do is see how much of the value I can capture. I mean, we can go from obviously digging rock out of the ground to turning it into spot and we can turn that into hydroxide. That's just purely value-adding. It's capturing all the value. Um, I don't think there's any risk in us going down the path of manufacturing batteries here because, again, the one thing we've got that most others don't have is that we've got surety of supply. I think it's logical. Um, I think we have all the resources here and what I'd really like to do is see how much of the value I can capture. I mean, we can go from obviously digging rock out of the ground to turning it into spot and we can turn that into hydroxide. That's just purely value-adding. It's capturing all the value. Um, I don't think there's any risk in us going down the path of manufacturing batteries here because, again, the one thing we've got that most others don't have is that we've got surety of supply. So if we own the supply, we can command the, the terms and conditions. We've got cheap energy um, in terms of our gas. And I think if we want to create jobs for our kids, it's really smart that we do it. Most of the battery factories, I mean, they're not overly labour intensive, but we should be able to make a very high quality battery here. Um, all I have to do is go and get a battery manufacturer to come over here with their t technology and a big bag of cash, and we can add surety of supply. So if we own the supply, we can command the, the terms and conditions. We've got cheap energy um, in terms of our gas. And I think if we want to create jobs for our kids, it's really smart that we do it here. Most of the battery factories, I mean, they're not overly labour-intensive, but we should be able to make a very high-quality battery here. Um, all I have to do is go and get a battery manufacturer to come over here with their t technology and a big bag of cash, and we can add surety of supply. And our vision is to see if we can make that work over the next couple of years. So um, we're certainly going to be out there banging the drums with spoke to the government about it and they think that uh, it's not a bad idea and they're very happy to support us. So the last page and then I, and our vision is to see if we can make that work over the next couple of years. So um, we're certainly going to be out there banging the drums. We spoke to the government about it and they think that uh, it's not a bad idea and they're very happy to support us. So the last page, and then I'll get out of you here. I said earlier it was our 30th birthday recently, 
Um, we started um, in my lounge with $10,000. We've gone through the list at uh, about 450 people on the payroll in 2006 and about 100 million market cap. Um, today we've gone to over 5,000 people. We're, we're on the ASX 50. Got a market cap north of $12 billion. Our track record since $10,000. We've gone through the list at uh, about 450 people on the payroll in 2006 and about 100 million market cap. Um, today we've gone to over 5,000 people. We're, we're on the ASX 50. Got a market cap north of $12 billion. Our track record since listing, total assets have gone up 50 times to almost $8 billion. So that's 30% per annum growth, 21% uh, average return on capital per annum, um, 7.4 billion in EBITDA. We've grown that by 25% per annum. Uh, no equity raises, so I haven't watered my shareholders down. We haven't gone out and issued shares and taken the easy way up. Um, fully fake dividends, a growth of about 20%, 30% per annum of total shareholder return um, and we're the best TSR performance on the average return on capital per annum. Um, 7.4 billion in EBITDA, we've grown that by 25% per annum. Uh, no equity raises, so I haven't watered my shareholders down. We haven't gone out and issued shares and taken the easy way up. Um, fully fake dividends, a growth of about 20%, 30% per annum of total shareholder return um, and we're the best TSR performance on the whole of the ASX um, and aiming to get to one, the, the one spot position. Over the next two years our business will double. When we get five years out beyond that I think we'll probably double it again. So um, that's pretty much with what we've got in hand with the funding that we've got the whole of the ASX um, and aiming to get to one the, the one spot position. Over the next two years our business will double. When we get five years out beyond that I think we'll probably double it again. So um, that's pretty much with what we've got in hand with the funding that we've got and the quality of people we've got. That's about as much as I can tell you on where the business is going. So um, thanks for joining us and if you've got any questions Mark will join me up here and um, try and answer anything you've got. Hmm? Oh, sorry. We've got another little video. We've got, got some great people in-house that we're using them for recruitment and all sorts of things. So, um, our photographer, Russell James, you may have heard of him. He used to be the, the guy that photographed all of the Victoria's Secrets and all the supermodels around the world. He, he lives in Perth now and he, he does our mind sites and videos and um, they're doing a lot of work around our branding, which has really done a huge amount for our business. So, we really want to make sure that we're a respected company as we go forward as well. Um, the only difference now is we get to keep the clothes on. But I've got to say, I have been in LA with Russell a couple of times and bumped into our Alessandra and Britta, the guy that photographed all of the Victoria's Secrets and all the supermodels around the world. He, he lives in Perth now and he, he does our mine sites and videos and um, they're doing a lot of work around our branding, which has really done a huge amount for our business. So, we really want to make sure that we're a respected company as we go forward as well. Um, the only difference now is we get to keep the clothes on. But I've got to say, I have 
been in LA with Russell a couple of times and bumped into our Alessandra Ambrosio and then Giselle and it was not a bad experience. <laughs> it was worth it. So, roll the video. So there's a bit of a, a lag with Slodgemine and more specifically uh, Wajna. Um, I guess 
at the uh, fourth quarter, you had produced and shipped tonnes from Modular, but not yet booked those as revenue. Can you give us any update on, on where those tonnes are and if you've booked any revenue from them at this point in time? Um, so there's a bit of a, a lag with uh, when we move into hydroxide. So we've got to, uh, from Marion and from Wadja, get them down to the berth, put them on, on a ship. Um, they're all heading for China at the moment and they are getting um, converted in China. We then have to go and sell that product. Then we can book the sale. So it's quite a, a lead time. Mark, do you want to add to it? Sure. Thanks, Mitch. Um, the, the whole logistics chain around moving the spod through China to the coal, coal converters that Albemarle's using um, at this point is a little bit slower. So you need to add a few months for that process. And then there's the conversion process. And then there's the sale process, including the logistics of the sale um, delivery to the customer. And then there's the payment terms from the customer to Albemarle. So it adds months to the process. We will be booking in this, uh, in this half though. Rather than and then there's the sale process, including the logistics of the sale um, delivery to the customer. And then there's the payment terms from the customer to Albemarle. So it adds months to the process. We will be booking in this, uh, in this half though. Rahulan and Morgan Stanley. Um, so with the announcement today, um, I just wanted to check on a couple of things. Firstly, uh, you've called it stage one. So I want to touch upon that perhaps. Um, I believe the, the whole system at the moment will probably be constrained by the, by the haulage on the road. Is that a fair assumption? And what kind of capacity can the port do? Because I'm trying to think about uh, Bungari South, Kimina, how those look going forward as well. Yeah, look, the constraints probably going to be around the transshipping. That'll probably be the bottleneck. Uh, not hard to add more trucks on the road. I mean, we could double the number of trucks on the road very easily. Um, then we would just have to manage the port storage. I'm thinking to go to from 35 to 55, we're almost certainly going to have to put uh, more storage in at the port because, I mean, we've developed this whole thing on the basis that it's totally dust-free so the ore doesn't see the light of date from when it goes in the truck, um, then we would just have to manage the port storage. I'm thinking to go to, from 35 to 55, we're almost certainly going to have to put uh, more storage in at the port because I mean, we've developed this whole thing on the basis that it's totally dust-free, so the ore doesn't see the light of date from when it goes in the trucks until it goes into the Cape Carriers offshore. But look, I think the answer is... There'd be more trucks, pretty easy to bring them online. It'd be a different crushing plant in a different location, so we'd be outside of Gensbore. The road will easily handle it. Different storage shed, probably even different products, so we'd want to keep them segregated. And then I'd probably need to add about another three train shippers. Okay, perfect. Um, and just one follow-up. Um, in the announcement, uh, there was a mention about uh, Bungari South uh, and Kamina last time. Mine. It would be a different crushing plant in a different location, so we'd be outside of Gensbore. The road will easily handle it. Different storage shed, probably even different products, so we'd want to keep them segregated. And then I'd probably need to add about another three train shippers. Okay, perfect. Um, and just one follow up. Um, 
in the announcement, uh, there was a mention about uh, Bungaroo South uh, and Kamina last time, which had perhaps uh, the ability to not have to pay royalties. How's that to be? How's that going to be going forward? Is that a combined package now, and you have to pay the royalty on these assets, or if you develop them in the future, you don't have to pay any? No, we have to pay the royalties. Okay, yeah. it would still be paid. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Which had perhaps uh, the ability to not have to pay royalties. How's that to be? How's that going to be going forward? Is that a combined package now, and you have to pay the royalty on these assets, or if you develop them in the future, you don't have to pay any? No, we have to pay the royalties. Okay, it yeah. would still be paid. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Thank you. We did have a holiday down in that region for 30 million tonnes, but somewhere down the track, sadly, that runs out. And I haven't been able to renew it. Hi, Chris. It's uh, Glenn Lockhart at Baron Joey. Um, just interested a little bit more, if you could, you mentioned about toll treating downstream through the... We did have a holiday down in that region for 30 million tonnes. But somewhere down the track, sadly, that runs out. And I haven't been able to renew it. Hi, Chris. It's uh, Glenn Lockhart at Baron Joey. Um, just interested a little bit more, if you could, you mentioned about toll treating downstream through the JV. So is the downstream 50-50 JV for Wadjina not just going to be through jointly owned or Albemarle-owned facilities? I'm just a little bit curious because I assume you can probably ramp Wadjina up faster than you can build downstream conversions. So I'm just, you know, yeah, how no, does it all match? So what's going to happen is that we're going to do a combination of buying plants and upgrading them and building plants. So, I mean, that's actually coming into progress. Um, in the meantime, we're also out there using toll treaters. So we're, we're obviously up front, we're going to be producing more spot than we can treat because we don't have the plants for it and we may look we may use toll treaters um, long term so but if you, you know, can you sell spot if you can't find a toll treater or oh, is yeah. that part you know, of we have an agreement with them that if we're producing more uh, spot than we can um, to either toll treat or go put through our plants yeah. we're going to whack it into the market and sell it yeah we've agreed to do that and tra train three seems to be slipping a little bit? It was sort of like now you're talking about mid next year. Is that still in yeah. line with the decision before Christmas? Yeah, yeah. It's about, so train three needs more tailings facility storage, more water to come online. Um, we've got to double the mining fleet. Getting getting mining fleet nowadays, you just don't get it up, up over the counter. It's about mid next year when we've got all those issues addressed. We're going to have train three commissioned, I'd say, within the next three or four weeks. What we're going to do is we'll rotate the train. So at any given time, we'll have two of the three running. So there's, if we need maintenance like we do on, on train one, it needs some work done on the bull mill. So we'll put that facility storage, more water to come online. Um, we've got to double the mining fleet. Getting, getting mining fleet nowadays, you just don't get it up, up over the counter. It's about mid next year when we've got all those issues addressed. We're going to have train three commissioned, I'd say, within the next three or four weeks. What we're going to do is we'll rotate the train. So at any given time, we'll have two of the three running. So if we need maintenance like we do on, tr on train one, it needs some work done on the bull mill. So we'll put that down and bring train three on run just to make sure they're all matched fit. But we just don't have the downstream capacity to, to run all three at once. Yeah. But we, we will get there. It's a, but it's about eight or nine months away. Okay. And then 
and just switching to um, Ashburton or Homsov, if you want to call it, just two quick ones. Just the quality of the product. I think it, I think I'm sure 57%, 57.3. What sort of pricing do you think that'll attract? What are you expecting? It's about. It's going to average about 58% um, over the first um, seven or eight years. Um, the pricing. What do you think the uh, plates is looking like? Is that just going to be sort of sold against the 58 index then? Is that yeah. you sort of yeah. it, can, it can probably get that? Yep. Okay. And just dollars per ton on the contracts you're going to run. I was surprised it's 140 million tons, a bit more than I thought. Is that a couple of bucks a ton you can clip on that? Hmm. Always. We always get our share of that. Were you going to add something, Mark? No, I wasn't going to add anything to that, Chris. Yeah, hi, Chris. I'm Mark. It's Paul Young from, from Goldman Sachs. Good to see you here in person, Chris, and, and thanks for the publicity during the, uh, the presentation. I always appreciate it. Um, I'm assuming you didn't write that. <laughs> we can talk after. <laughs> uh, first question is on, well, actually, just on the joint ventures. First of all, well done getting those three partners aligned on Ashburton. I mean, that, that took you a long time, I know, and they are tier one partners. Um, I'm interested in two things. One is that... Um, you know, on the, on the fact that you're funding your partner's share of capital to get it into first production. Um, so uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts or maybe Mark around, you know, why that was the case. Is it because Bowser doesn't want to actually physically put, you know, money into Australia at the moment? Um, is that it? And secondly, with Bowser taking the offtake, I mean, they're clearly interested in this product and they're taking, you know, 50% um, of the of the offtake and it's low grade. So just curious about when, with your discussions with Bowser, what is their view on on the market, is this a diversification strategy away from the majors or is the fact that they see the iron ore market tighter long run? No, look, on the marketing first, um, Bowser still, because they own part of the project, um, they want to be seen to be able to use that product back in China, but they like the product, they simply like it. So they're going to take, if you take 35 million tonnes, 60% of that's ours, so they want, they want 50% of ours plus they've got an option to take another 25%, and they're saying they almost certainly will do that, plus they take 100% of their own allocation. So they're probably sitting up at about, uh, if they took all of ours um, and all of theirs, they're sitting about 82% of the product they'll take. An option to take another 25%, and they're saying they almost certainly will do that, plus they take 100% of their own allocation. So they're probably sitting up at about, uh, if they took all of ours um, and all of theirs, they're sitting about 82% of the product they'll take. Um, they like it. Okay, great. And then just on the funding and how that came about with respect to... to oh, look, the, funding, the funding was easy. There's a mechanism in there that said he who funded it got another 17% of the project forever. Um, it was a no-brainer. So we funded it and we get the, the funds back fairly quickly when the project goes into operation. The other side of that too is that it gives us total control as managers. So uh, now that it's approved, we're in total control. We go out, raise the funds, we have the funds, and we just go build it at our speed. And we don't have a, a committee from three joint venture partners overlooking us and giving us approvals to do everything. We've got a fixed price, which we're good at. I mean, pretty much every project we've ever built, like for FMG or Rio Tinto or any of those guys, 
we always we're only interested in doing it on a fixed lump sum. We're not interested in doing um, reimbursable. Okay, thanks, Chris. And then on the gas, um, pretty unbelievable discovery it seems. And you said it's the largest onshore discovery. Um, so you must have a, a number, at least a minimum number, that uh, that maybe you can point to in that regard. And then um, so I'd be interested in, you, in your views around how we get to a res- first resource, the size of it. And then you said you're, you're being approached by. Um, big gas companies. So what's your thoughts, high level, around how you monetise this to your JV? Uh, what I'd like to do, basically, is I want to build a gas plant. So we're looking at it now. We've got, we've got to do a little discovery, it seems. And you said it's the largest onshore discovery. Um, so you must have a, a number, at least a minimum number, that, uh, that maybe you can point to in that regard. And then, um, so I'd be interested in, you, in your views around how we get to a res- first resource, the size of it. And then you said you're, you're being approached by um, big gas companies. So what's your thoughts, high level, around how you monetise this to your JV? Uh, what I'd like to do, basically, is I want to build a gas plant. So we're looking at it now. We've got, we've got to do some more development holes around it. So we step those holes out and it'll grow. Um, at the same time, we're getting our development approvals in place. I'd like to be able to um, have a gas plant operating there by, let's say, no longer than 24 um, so the opportunities with that, there's some more development holes around it. So we step those holes out and it'll grow. Um, at the same time, we're getting our development approvals in place. I'd like to be able to um, have a gas plant operating there by, let's say, no longer than 24. Um, so the opportunities with that, the, um, I like what um, like Beach and Mitsui are doing. Um, they've got a pretty good deal. Woodside have got capacity to turn uh, gas into LNG um, fairly economically. Um, I'm going to power all of our plants that we've got, so you know, I shouldn't be much more than about a dollar a gigajoule in cost um, on my own gas internally. Um, I want to be able to turn um, uh, magnetite into pallets. I mean, that adds a huge amount of value. Um, and whatever else. Good question. Um, need to get a bit more information on it. We were thinking about a 250 terajoule a day plant. Um, was sort of day one. We're looking, at, we're looking at a modular design that we can scale up because we know that there's a lot more gas there. This wasn't the most prospective hole that we dug first. At a 250 terajoule a day plant. Um, was sort of day one. We're looking, at, we're looking at a modular design that we can scale up because we know that there's a lot more gas there. This wasn't the most prospective hole that we dug first. Uh, morning, um, Chris and Mike. Thanks very much for the briefing. So just a couple of questions on Wajna from Maylock and Shaw from UBS. So just um, firstly on your thoughts and your comments around um, onshore processing, Chris. So... I get the gas, um, but what about reagents and waste handling? Um, and I guess, what are you thinking in terms of timing for when you might look to start construction and ultimately get that capacity up at Wajana? So you're talking about hydroxide at Wajana? Yeah. Yeah, so reagents are fairly simple. We'll import them all in three port heads on the building. Uh, Lumsden Point up there that will facilitate that. All of the waste uh, is pretty much that comes out of these plants is totally inert. Uh, we've done a lot of test work on that through uh, what we're doing at Kemerton. 
and that waste can actually be work, used for a whole range of different things. Road base is an easy one, so not an issue with that. Um, but the facilities that we got at Wajana, um, we've got good water up there. We've got a large gas pipeline that comes in. I mean, we've got enough gas capacity to be able to to um, fire that thing. And, and the good thing about having it at Wajana it means when we control the energy costs for the next 30 or 40 years, we're not going to get a spike like you're seeing in all over waste can actually be used for a whole range of different things. Road base is an easy one. So not an issue with that. Um, but the facilities that we got at Wajana, um, we've got good water up there. We've got a large gas pipeline that comes in. I mean, we've got enough gas capacity to be able to, to um, fire that thing. And, and the good thing about having it at Wajana means when we control the energy costs for the next 30 or 40 years, we're not going to get a spike like you're seeing in all over the world at the moment, you know, urea plants, anything that's operating on gas, they're going out of business because of the, the cost of energy. So I just think that we've got the total package there, and I think it, it's in WA, and if we can keep growing downstream in WA, we're creating jobs and future for our kids. Chemical plants that um, we're putting kids through uni, I mean, I want somewhere for them to go. So, you know, we could be... In those areas, we may not be the best in the world at making cars, but you know, all of these products that we're producing, we've got to do a lot better than just sell the rock. And then just on timing, do you have a, a sense of how that might play out? I would like to be talking um, sooner rather than later because the, the easy way out to me is I, I went and got partners that knew what they're doing with hydroxide. I don't have to take a risk on that and I'm happy with the partners I've got to do battery manufacturing, we've just got to go find someone. I mean, and they all, I mean, I get calls from car companies regularly because they want surety of supply. I mean, and they're happy to pay market price, they've just got to know that they can get it. So if I can get someone um, that wants to make batteries, and I think we'll get a bunch of them, they don't care where they make them as long as they're guaranteed supply, but I also want them to bring the, the funding. I think we'd get a free carry on the on uh, our half of the funding. Yeah, okay, great. They're happy to pay market price. They've just got to know that they can get it. So if I can get someone um, that wants to make batteries, and I think we'll get a bunch of them, they don't care where they make them as long as they're guaranteed supply, but I also want them to bring the, the funding. I think we'd get a free carry on the on uh, our half of the funding. Yeah, okay, great. And then just, just a second one. So going back upstream to Spodumane at Wajana, so 6%. Um, how are you thinking about the balance, 6% versus 5.5%, for more volume coming to the plant? We've done a lot of work on that um, across both the operations and the dropping it down to about 5.5% gives you more lithium unit recovery. So we sell more lithium units. It's versus 5.5%, for more volume coming to the plant? We've done a lot of work on that um, across both the operations and the dropping it down to about 5.5% gives you more lithium unit recovery. So we sell more lithium units. It's, it's a better value proposition. So we will probably eventually head in that direction. We're just going to make sure that the plants at the other end are adjusted to take it. We'll just go to James. 
around the corner. Morning, Chris and Mark. Uh, Matt Fryben from MST here. A um, couple of questions. Firstly, on the mining services business, you're guiding to flat mining services volumes year on year, which I guess is a little bit different to some of your uh, prior overarching guidance of, of volume growth in that business. I'm um, wondering if you can get a, give a bit more detail on some of the moving parts there. Um, I know this internally, you're guiding to lower sales from the Yulgarn, which is obviously a pretty important driver of at least internal mining services volumes. Um, but maybe there are offsetting factors externally. So wondering if there are any opportunities for growth in FY23 that you see and might be working through but haven't factored into that guidance or, or otherwise what are the, the key moving parts to that, that flat guidance? So we, we see significant um, opportunity externally as Chris. I'm wondering if you can get a, give a bit more detail on some of the moving parts there. Um, I know this internally, you're guiding to lower sales from the Yulgarn, which is obviously a pretty important driver of at least internal mining services volumes. Um, but maybe there are offsetting factors externally. So wondering if there are any opportunities for growth in FY23 that you see and might be working through but haven't factored into that guidance or, or otherwise what are the, the key moving parts to that, that flat guidance? So we, we see significant um, opportunity externally. As Chris said, there are some real challenges in the industry at the moment around supply. And because of our agility, we offer a solution that others... Um, well, really, there aren't many other choices, but we have this great record with the majors working with them. So we see a lot of opportunity externally. The reason you're seeing that overall guidance number flat is because strips coming off on the projects that we're working at quite considerably. And, and as you say, combined with the um, lower tons out of your gun, we're seeing really there aren't many other choices, but we have this great record with the majors working with them. So we see a lot of opportunity externally. The reason you're seeing that overall guidance number flat is because strips coming off on the projects that we're working at quite considerably. And, and as you say, combined with the um, lower tons out of your gun, we're seeing in internal, internal tonnage dropping considerably. Got it. Thanks, Mark. Uh, maybe another one for you. Um, wondering how you think about the right level of gearing or debt on the balance sheet. Um, you know, if we look forward to FY23 spending $2 billion on CapEx, that's without any new conversion assets in the Marvel JV. Um, you know, it does seem like gearing will start to creep up, even if your operating cash flows are pretty strong. So just broadly, what level of debt or gearing are you guys comfortable with? Uh, and you know, where would you have to start considering the timing of projects or the timing of spend um, you know, if you reach a certain threshold? We, we finished the year about three times, 3.1 times on gross debt to EBITDA, and that was including six months of almost no EBITDA. So when, as I said earlier, when we run the full 12 months and even on a rolling 12-month basis by December, that ratio is going to come down significantly. We feel very comfortable with the quality of the assets that we have and the, the ability to delever quickly with them to be able to hold this debt. We don't anticipate needing to go and raise further debt at this point. We might just go to the phones. Are there any questions? Moderator, Darcy. Thank you. Your first phone question comes from Hayden Bairstow from Macquarie. Yeah, morning, guys. Uh, a couple from me. Chris, just on the iron ore business, uh, just keen to understand, you sort of talked about the availability of mining fleet. You've downrated these assets a little bit on volume. But if, if we do see weaker iron ore prices, is there options to do that even more aggressively and shift some of the gear to Wadjana out of Iron Valley, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, we, 
I don't see that happening, Hayden. I mean, our main, the main fleet we're hunting at the moment is, uh, is certainly for Wadjana, and uh, we're going to start gearing up for, um, for Onslow Iron as well. Downrate of these assets a little bit on volume, but if, if we do see weaker iron ore prices, is there options to do that even more aggressively and shift some of the gear to Wadjana out of Iron Valley, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, we... I don't see that happening, Hayden. I mean, our main, the main fleet we're hunting at the moment is uh, yeah, certainly for Wadjana, and uh, we're going to start gearing up for, um, for Onslow Iron as well. And, um, I mean, Onslow Iron has got pretty good returns with it. But, yeah, look, the answer is we can easily move the, uh, around. I mean, if we had to, to back off on a mine site like Iron Valley, we could easily move that and accommodate that into... Um, um, Onslow Iron and probably um, probably wouldn't fit in Wadjana. I mean, we're going for bigger equipment in there. Okay, great. And on the, the downstream hydroxide of Wadjana, I mean, you're comfortable you can convince Albemarle that you can build a much, much lower cost than they've just delivered at Kemerton? Hayden, your wife could do that. <laughs> I think, to be fair... There was a period of COVID which impacted quite considerably, right? And I think the supply chain disruptions have had a significant impact on that cost. We don't expect okay, to have right. we don't expect to have those going forward. And just the, the final one for me, just on the the rest of the sort of downstream within Marble. I mean, at what point do we think we'll get clarity on where they might be? I mean, Albert Marble's obviously talked about a fair bit of capacity in China. Is that still the most likely location for it all, or is there other parts of Southeast Asia you're looking at? No, I think I think our eyes are wide open on um, a few locations. So we're not we're not wed to any particular country. That's going forward. And just the, the final one for me, just on the the rest of the sort of downstream within Marble. I mean, at what point do we think we'll get clarity on where they might be? I mean, Albert Marble's obviously talked about a fair bit of capacity in China. Is that still the most likely location for it all, or is there other parts of Southeast Asia you're looking at? No, I think I think our eyes are wide open on um, a few locations. So we're not we're not wed to any particular country. Um, we're doing a, some study. I mean, obviously we're looking hard at Wajina at the moment, but we're also looking at a, at a couple of other um, regions as well. I mean, um, labour availability is always a key factor. Cost of energy going forward is always um, important, but look, there's probably about four different locations that we're running the rule over right now. Okay, great, I'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Um, we're doing a, some study, I mean, obviously, we're looking hard at Wadjana at the moment, but we're also looking at a, at a couple of other um, regions as well. I mean, um, labour availability is always a key factor, cost of energy going forward is always. Um, important, but look, there's probably about four different locations that we're running the rule over right now. Okay, great, I'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Darcy, we'll take one more from the Thank phone. You. Your next question comes from Lyndon Fagan of JP Morgan. Please go ahead. 
Thanks very much. Um, the first question is just on the toll trading. Obviously, an amazing 30% EBITDA margin there. I'm just wondering if you could give us some insight into the toll charge itself. Is that a percentage link or is it a dollar million charge? I'm just wondering how it changes with price. You know, if, if prices go down, is it still a 30% margin? Thanks. Are you talking about Mount Marion? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So with Mount Marion, um, as Chris said, we've got this wonderful partnership with Gangfeng and uh, basically we've, we've developed a, a formula that accommodates the mixed blend of our grade. So it, it scales depending on the, on the grade that goes through and it varies from ship to ship. You'll see in the, in the new year, sorry, in the FY23 guidance, we've guided higher volumes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So with Mount Marion, um, as Chris said, we've got this wonderful partnership with Gangfeng and uh, basically we've, we've developed a, a formula that accommodates the mixed blend of our grade. So it, it scales depending on the, on the grade that goes through and it varies from ship to ship. You'll see in the, in the new year, sorry, in the FY23 guidance, We've guided higher volumes. Um, we're capturing more lithium units, as Chris said, but we're thinking that about 40% of that product will be higher, higher grade. So you could expect that um, compared to the first half, where we had much low, you know, less high grade, that the costs will come down relative to last half. There's no, there's no. Sorry, there's a combination. There's a combination of dollars and ratio per tonne of feed. So there's no simple formula I can give you, I'm sorry. Maybe just to follow up on that, so at a much... There's no... There's no oh, sorry, the... There's a combination, there's a combination of dollars and ratio per tonne of feed. So there's no simple formula I can give you, I'm sorry. Maybe just to follow up on that, so at a much lower price, is it possible to sort of talk about how the, the toll margins would, would look, just to be able to give us a sense of, you know, everyone's forecasting lower prices long term, um, how, how would that sort of earnings stream look at a lower price? Everyone except us, we don't think the price will be lower long term. Yeah. And we think there's a compelling reason why that's the case. But anyway. Just to be able to give us a sense of, you know, everyone's forecasting lower prices long term. Um, how, how would that sort of earnings stream look at a lower price? Everyone except us, we don't think the price will be lower long term. Yeah. And we think there's a compelling reason why that's the case. But anyway, if you, if you believe your world that they'll go lower... We still think we're in reasonable space there. The, the cost of the spot coming down will come down as well. Um, we'll still be making good margin. The one thing that's great, or one of the many things that's great about the relationship with Gangfeng is that we can pivot it quickly if we need to. Okay, thanks. And, and then just another question on the Wajina cost guidance. You mentioned it'll be producing at 20% below Mount Marion over the longer term, but how quickly do those operating costs come down? Is, you know, if we're looking into 
24 and 5 are, is it I imagine we're not instantly below Mount Marion or you know any sort of colour on that would be helpful thanks you can imagine when we're running okay thanks and, and then just another question on the Wadjana cost guidance you mentioned it'll be producing at 20% below Mount Marion over the longer term, but how quickly do those operating costs come down? Is you know, if we're looking into 24 and 5, is it? I imagine we're not instantly below Mount Marion, or you know, any sort of colour on that would be helpful. Thanks. You can imagine when we're running three trains in steady state, that's when we're running at a reasonable indication close to life of mine, plus or minus, depending on the year and the strip. So. We need three trains to be running steady state to get to those sorts of numbers. Um, these, you should expect the numbers to come down though from this half. This is a start-up half. We're not capitalising the costs, um, so there are inefficiencies. We've, we've staffed up at Wadjana to get ready for three trains, um, so we're carrying overhead and so on up there for that reason. Uh, so if you think in those terms, that should help. We've got time for one more question. Thanks, and just to Oh, sorry, I was going to sneak another one in. You, you're now guiding for 20% of lump at both Utah and Yilgarn. I remember some previous comments around moving away from lump. Is that now, is that unique to FY23 or is it, should we... ...someone up there for that reason? Uh, so if you think in those terms, that should help. We've got time for one more question. Thanks, and just a... Oh, sorry, I was going to sneak another one in. You, you're now guiding for 20% of lump at both Utah and Yilgarn. I remember some previous comments around moving away from lump. Is that now, is that unique to FY23 or is it, should we now be thinking about 20% lump going forward? Thanks. I think you can, well, sorry, let me go back a sec. We, we've had adapted to meet the market and we've, we've moved the, um, the equipment around to be able to flex for the product that's coming out of the pits. This stage you should assume that there's lump going forward. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks. We've got time for one more on the, on the floor here and then we'll have to close it up. Hi Chris and Mark again. Uh, Rahul again here from Morgan Stanley. Look, um, just continuing on that lithium tolling arrangement. Um, how should we think about the longevity, really, is, is what I want to touch upon. You've obviously got a short-term contract in place right now for Mount Marion. How are the conversations looking to extend that further with, whilst keeping your capital light and being able to extract some of that margin for a long period of time? Uh, that's the first one. I'll come back with a second. Okay, so on that, I mean, we've got options on that, obviously. I mean, we can um, kick that out for um, a period of time. Um, we're just trying to balance that with what's the longer term that we want? Do we want to own our own plant or and how long will that take to build? So we're just working through that and we're working through that with gang things. So um, we'll keep doing what we're doing. Well, my guess is we'll keep doing what we're doing for another couple of years um, and in the meantime we'll probably go and put something in place um, and probably jointly with them that um, we want to own our own plant or and how long will that take to build? So we're just working through that, and we're working through that with gang things. So um, we'll keep doing what we're doing. Well, my guess is we'll keep doing what we're doing for another couple of years, um, and in the meantime, we'll probably go and put something in place um, 
and probably jointly with them, that um, that'll be for the long term. Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you. Um, and then the second one on lithium was around the Wajina stake. You talked about it briefly in your presentation. How are those conversations progressing? Is there any sort of timeline that you have in terms of converting that, the extra 10%? Yes. I mean, I think it would be true to say that we've got an effective date that we've agreed on and all we're doing is we're going through the uh, Albemarle process on getting to binding documentation. It's progressing. Is there... Any sort of timeline that you have in terms of converting that, the extra 10%? Yes. I mean, I think it would be true to say that we've got an effective date that we've agreed on and all we're doing is we're going through the uh, Albemarle process on getting to binding documentation. It's um, tedious, lengthy and detailed. Okay. Perfect. Final one, um, Iron Valley. Uh, there, was que- uh, there, were, there was a mention of Lamb Creek and Wedge. Um, I just wanted to know, are you in that area right now and perhaps getting some tons out or that hasn't been opened up at all and that's purely in the future? No, that's in the future. We've, um, we've been in there and doing our thing, getting ready to do something in there, but it's a few years away yet. I think, look, I don't quote me, but I think um, Iron Valley's probably got 70 or 80 million tons left in it. Um, um, one Manor's still got a lot and there's some um, more land at One Manor we've got to drill out. So... I just added that in because somewhere down the track we'll probably add one of those. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't see it in the next three or four years. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, thanks, Chris. We'll wind it up there. Have you got some final comments? Yeah, no, look, I appreciate everyone coming along today. I mean, it's, uh, um, it's always uh, our businesses can be a little unpredictable. I hope we present and give you as much, we give you as much information as we can. I mean, I got a little bit of criticism last AGM around... Um, how we're going to fund things going forward. There is some information that I just can't put out there. Uh, we try and get to the market when, uh, whenever. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, thanks, Chris. We'll wind it up there. Have you got some final comments? Yeah, no, look, I appreciate everyone coming along today. I mean, it's, uh, um, it's always uh, our businesses can be a little unpredictable. I hope we present and give you as much, we give you as much information as we can. I mean, I got a little bit of criticism last AGM around um, how we're going to fund things going forward. There is some information that I just can't put out there. Um, we try and get to the market when, uh, whenever the, the information's available freely. But um, I did say then at the time that, I mean, you've got to trust us a little bit. We've brought the business this far that um, we're not going to do a whole lot different. We don't put our balance sheet at risk and we're pretty good at identifying projects, getting them running and being able to get um, value out of them. So um, we've got a better balance sheet now than we've ever had. I mean, I think that uh, where we get to with the business over the next two years especially is going to be really interesting. I mean, I think the next two years will be absolutely defining on where MinRes goes over the next decade or 15 years. So, really critical time we're in now and if we get all of the things right that we've got to, um, I think it'll be um, a great business for a long time to come. So, look, thanks for um, the interest in, in our company and I'm obviously passionate about it and passionate about making sure the growth in the, in the business is maintained. I think, I think our margins that we've had in the past, I think we can improve on them. They won't diminish. They will improve. Um, and uh, we'll continue to get, to get things done. And we'll hopefully, you know, come the AGM, I'll have an awful lot more news flow and we can get some real numbers out there that you can really work on. So, look, appreciate you coming along and thanks very much.